Journey into space. The BBC presents Jet Morgan in The World in Peril. Neither Mitch nor Lemmy returned to the main televiewer room, Jet and Doc decided to go and look for them. However, they too had great difficulty in finding their way through the labyrinth of corridors that were to be found inside the asteroid. And then, when they'd almost given themselves up for lost, they stumbled on a party of conditioned crewmen who were on their way to a sphere bay. The two men joined the marching column and came to a great airlock which led out into a crater on the asteroid's surface. In a nearby storeroom, the conditioned men donned space suits, and Jet and Doc, helping themselves to two of the strange garments, did the same. When the crewmen went through the great airlock and outside, they followed them. Then the group of men scattered to different parts of the crater, and the two Earthmen went to look over the large spherical ship in which they vaguely hoped they might be able to escape from the asteroid altogether. Well, the ship has four decks, carries a captain and a crew of eight well stocked with food and water and seems to work on exactly the same principle as the smaller spheres. Oh, well, I think we've seen enough for now. Let's hope Frank was taught to be a crewman on a ship like this, as Paddy says he was. If so, the mere sight of that control room downstairs should bring back to his mind all the training he received when he was conditioned. Oh. Operating it should then be simplicity itself. It should be, yes. Well, let's get outside again, see what those conditioned types are up to. That's strange. Can't see anybody. Oh. Then let's get back to the airlock. Maybe we'll catch sight of him from there. Right. I wonder when that sphere from 738 is due to arrive. You think we might see it land? I'm rather hoping we will. Must be fairly close now. Jet. Yes, Doc? The door leading into the asteroid. It's closed. Good grief, so it is. Come on. Take it easy. Don't run too hard, Jet. Jet. Is it closed tight? Yes, Doc. We can't open it. It's remote control. We're stuck. Stuck out here on the asteroid's surface. Well, what do we do now? Hello, can you hear me? Hello? Who on earth are you calling? That Martian. We heard him distinctly enough. Well, it doesn't follow that he can hear us. Well, why not? It must have been him who closed the door. If he hears us calling, he might open it. Hello? Hello? Why should he? Well, supposing we really were conditioned, he wouldn't want to leave us out here, would he? Maybe not. But not being conditioned may well prove our undoing. How? Those conditioned types obey orders down to the last letter. They were told to do whatever they had to do and then return to the airlock. The Martian must have known when that would be, and he closed the door accordingly. But none of them could have been out here for more than 15 minutes. They could hardly have carried out their work in that time. That depends on what their work was. They were supposed to prepare the bay to receive the sphere arriving from asteroid 738. But who knows what that entails? I'd have thought they'd have waited for the thing to land, at least. Well, they didn't. And here we are, stuck in this crater with no idea how long the oxygen supply in these suits is supposed to last. Nor when that door is likely to open again. Well, we won't starve and we won't suffocate. If we have to, we can camp in that big sphere. But look, what about Mitch and Lemmy and Frank? How do we let them know where we are? Uh, that is a problem. Mm, and what if that sphere from 738 does land? I hope it does. The door's bound to open to let the crew in. Well, that depends on who's aboard. We must get up to the surface. We'll climb out of this crater, you mean? Yeah. Frank is probably trying to locate us. If he tunes into the surface, he's far more likely to see us if we're up there than if we're stuck down here. It won't be an easy climb. The walls of this crater are pretty steep. But quite rough on the far side. 
I think we might find enough footholds over there. What if our oxygen supply does run out? Oh, we don't have to climb any higher than the crater rim to give Frank a chance of seeing us. Okay, let's go over there and begin climbing. Doc, what would you estimate the diameter of this crater to be? Oh, roughly, I should say about a thousand yards. Oh, we're nearly there now, Doc. Ah, made it. Give me a hand. Right, but take it easy. I, I don't want to go sailing up into the sky. You ready? Yep. Now? Thanks. Well, here we are. This asteroid's exactly like a miniature moon. This crater must be one of the largest on it. Do you think it's natural, or has it been dug out specially? Well, it looks natural enough to me. The floor's very smooth, though. Uh, no doubt they had to do a little work on that. You feel okay, Doc? Yeah, why shouldn't I? Oh, just wanted to be sure, that's all. Say, wait a minute. Look. What? Well, over there. What's that? Looks like some kind of control tower. Yeah. Pretty tall, too. Some of it lies below the horizon, out of sight. What can that be for? Search me. Upper part seems to be made entirely of glass. And there's a light burning in there. Do you think there's a way into that place? From outside, you mean? Yeah. There's a chance. But we'll be in it. Well, if it's condition types, we've no need to worry. We can order them to let us in. Meanwhile, Mitch and Lemmy were, of course, still in the main control room. For that's what it turned out to be, with the lunar controller. You will remember that when they refused to cooperate in the Martian plan to invade the Earth, the controller refused to allow them to leave the control tower and return to the main teleview room where Jet and I had waited in vain. The central control room in which they found themselves was a large circular room built on the top of a high tower, not unlike a colossal lighthouse, but with a much greater diameter. It was full of gadgets of all kinds, including a vision phone, just like the one we had been using, which enabled the operator to view and talk to any part of the ship at will. This tower was, in fact, the asteroid's nerve center, like the bridge of a colossal ocean liner. The underground control suites could be compared with the ship's engine room, although their tasks were far more numerous, and, if the asteroid's flight was to be correctly maintained, had to work in perfect coordination. The coordinators were, of course, the Martians. All this was explained to Mitch and Lemmy by the lunar controller, who, although he would not give them their freedom, treated his prisoners politely and did not hesitate to answer their questions as to how the ship worked. It seems to me that you're on this asteroid, that you're the captain. Well, perhaps first mate would be a better description. And who is the captain, Jack Evans? I am Jack Evans. You? But Paddy Flynn told us Jack Evans was a rebel, like he was. Paddy Flynn was a good asteroid crewman, but he was a fool. He thought he could get back to Earth. He didn't realize just how long it was since he had left it. You knew he was a rebel and you did nothing about it? I knew his plan could not succeed. He intended to do nothing until we reached Earth anyway, and by that time he would have been safely locked up and out of harm's way. And meantime, you let him believe you are a rebel too. It kept him happy, and a happy man works well. Uh. He had as much chance of leading a rebellion on this ship as you have of getting back to Earth. Thanks very much. But what about that rebel song he taught the crew? What about it? Wouldn't their singing it make any difference to them? The crew of this asteroid are all conditioned. You could teach them to sing a song in Chinese and they'd sing it, if they were ordered to. Yeah, but that song mentioned the Earth. Didn't that have any effect on them, remind them of the planet they were native to? Mr. Mitchell, to a conditioned type, Mars is the Earth. They are all under the impression that whenever they touch down on Mars, they have reached home. Yeah, just like those so-called sheep farmers on the Argia Desert. They thought they were in the Australian outback. It's no more than a state of mind. Where you believe you are, you are. 
If Lenny were conditioned and I told him that the surface outside was the commercial road, he'd believe it. Right. It would be just like the real thing to him. He wouldn't know any better. Well, what about that Martian? Is he a state of mind or does he really exist? To the conditioned types, he does. He did to Paddy. Paddy never knew about this place. He'd never been in it. That still doesn't answer my question. Most of the orders you hear that voice give are definitely Martian. But what about the geezer who gives the orders? What is he? I told you. He is a colossal brain. Nothing else? No. If I could see in that uh, big box downstairs, what would be in there? A mass of electronic equipment. Far beyond your or my understanding. Is that what a Martian consists of, then? A mass of electronic equipment? On this ship, it does. And how about the voice? It emanates from the same place. It's produced by electrical impulses. But it seemed to have the power to think. It has. In much the same way as the computing machines down on Earth, or the one you carry aboard the Discovery. Although that hardly amounts to more than an abacus compared with the one aboard here. So it's not a Martian at all, just a colossal electronic brain. Which you operate. To a great extent, I do, but I also receive my orders from What, it. you mean something you're in charge of, a machine, tells you what to do? Yes, and I have better sense than to disobey. Oh, blimey. Would it know if you disobeyed? Yes, it would. And who built this thing? It was assembled by condition types, specially trained for the work. But who designed it? The Martians. They design everything, but they use condition types to do the manual labor. Oh, regular lords of the manor, aren't they? So this story of there being a Martian on every asteroid's a lot of nonsense. Not really. That great electronic brain represents the Martians. That amounts to the same thing as having a Martian aboard the ship. It is through it that my contacts with Martians are made. You mean it's a radio receiver as well? Receiver, transmitter, computer. It does everything a man could do, but a million times quicker. It'll even answer questions. What kind of questions? Look. Ask it anything you like. The date, the time, anything. Go on. All right. What's the distance from here to Mars? Now do you believe me? Why was he increasing the figure? We have a slight drift. Our orbit round the sun, and that's what we're travelling in at the moment, is not quite fast enough to keep the distance between us and Mars constant. But it's hardly worth worrying about. I'm glad to hear it. Your slowing the ship down so rapidly has upset the mechanism slightly. We're lucky it didn't even do more damage. How does 738 find its way here? It's following us on a homing beam that we're transmitting. It'll fly to us automatically. The brain could compute its arrival time to the nearest minute, if you care to ask it. Can we? If you want to. Now, go ahead. But what do I say? Just ask for the information you want. At what time will asteroid 738 reach us? Is that his brain ticking over? You might call it that. Here comes the answer now. Estimated time of arrival of asteroid 738 is 48 hours, 52 minutes. Very sphere will arrive at May 5. 
landing arrangements completed in good time. Landing arrangements? But nobody asked him anything about that. It was just a check. Extra information relating to your questions is often given. But the bay has already been prepared. I sent a party out there less than an hour ago. Where is Bay 5? It lies on the edge of the horizon. You can just make it out. Come over here and I'll show you. There. See that oval-shaped dark patch? Yeah. yeah. That's the crater known as Bay 5. We're not close enough to see down onto its floor. If we were, you could see the ferry sphere stowed there. And is that where the sphere from 738 will land? Yes, you'll be able to see it. What, you mean we'll still be in here two days from now? You will remain here until I have you transferred to 738's ferry. And what about Jep, Doc and Frank? I will have them picked up and taken to the bay in good time. Well, I'll say this for you, mate. You've got things well organised. Very well organised. You see how powerless you are. And yet, by cooperating with us, you could have many privileges. Uh, if we cooperated, what would we have to do like... Lemmy! Well, let's at least listen to what he has to offer. Gent would take Paddy Flynn's place as supervisor of Section 1. Oh, yeah? Doc would be put in charge of sick quarters. Yeah? And other jobs found for you and Mr. Mitchell. Go on. But your greatest use to us would be on the moon colony. We need to establish a much larger one than anybody down on Earth has yet conceived. Oh. That is where you would be really useful. And you would be well rewarded for your trouble. Sounds marvellous, doesn't it? You'll think it over? No. I just wanted to know what you had in mind, that's all. Well, if you'll take my advice, you will think about it. And you have just 48 hours in which to make up your mind. Until 738 gets here. Precisely. And remember, there is nothing you can do to save the Earth. There is plenty you can do to save yourself. From what? From endless years spent working in an underground factory down on Mars. How does that prospect strike you? Not very pleasantly, mate. Any more than you do. Of course, Jet and I had absolutely no knowledge of Mitch and Lemmy's meeting with the former Lunar Controller. We were, in fact, still exploring the large sphere in the crater at that time and hadn't realized that the men we'd followed had by now finished their work and returned to the airlock, leaving Jet and I shot out on the asteroid surface. It was about then that the great Martian brain issued an order to the lunar controller. This necessitated his leaving Mitch and Lemmy in the tower, from which they had an uninterrupted view of the asteroid surface to every point of the horizon. Well, that's good riddance to him for a bit anyway. And this is our chance to find our way back to Jet. Let's try the door we first entered this place by. No go? No, nah, it doesn't seem like it. No, nah, the door doesn't budge. How about the door that Jack Evans, as he calls himself, went through? I'll give him a chance to get well clear of here first. We don't want him to know we're following him. Oh, I don't suppose it'd make any difference anyway. He wouldn't have left us here alone if we could get out. No, but at least we might be able to contact Jet. You know, this vision phone seems to be exactly the same type as the one downstairs in the televiewer room. Try it, Lemmy. Right. Yeah, something's appearing. Oh, blimey. Retune it, Lemmy, quick. Oh, 
That was the lunar controller, walking along a corridor. Yeah, well, let's hope he didn't hear oh. us talking. Now, try and get Frank. Ah, but how? I don't know his number. Well, we'll have to use the hit-and-miss method. Now, get going. Yes, Mitch. One more try, Lemmy. We must have been all over the ship a dozen times with this thing. I don't think it can tune into that televiewer room. Hey, maybe you're right. I'm glad you think so. Don't you remember? Paddy said he could never tune into Jack Evans unless he had the Martians okay first. You mean we, we have to ask that electronic brain? No, it's not as simple as that. The lunar controller is Jack Evans, and the request must have come to him eventually. He must be the only one who knows how to tune this thing to the place we want to see. And he only did it when he felt like it? Of course. It's things like that that would have impressed Paddy that there really was a Martian aboard. Well, the lunar controller's not here. So now what do we do? Consult the electronic oracle? Attention, attention. Aye, aye, he must have heard me. Message to controller from asteroid 738. Can you take it now? Repeat. Can you take it now? Ah, can he? He's not here. Yeah, I wonder what happens in a case like this. Does he hear the Martian's voice in whatever part of the ship he happens to be? Message will be recorded. Hey. Ah, so that's how it's done. Hey, look. On that panel, the red light's come on. Yeah, that must be an indication that there's a message waiting for the controller. He'll play it over when he gets back. Like an automatic telephone, you mean? Ah, similar principle, I expect. Well, what do we do? Try to pick up Frank again? Ah, I don't think there's much point in that. Oh. Blimey, Mitch. What's the trouble? Look, Martians. Hey, where? Outside, on the asteroid surface. Two of them. Oh, and how horrible they look. They don't look like Martians to me. They look like ordinary men in spacesuits. Where have you ever seen a spacesuit like that? Our condition types must need suits if they ever go outside, and, well, they're bound to differ considerably from ours. And what are they doing out there? Taking a stroll? And whatever they're doing, they're heading directly for this lookout tower. They must be off the sphere from asteroid 738. They're coming here to pick us up. But the Martian said 738 wasn't due to arrive for more than 48 hours. He could have been wrong, couldn't he? I doubt it. Now let's get out of here while the going's good. Always assuming we can. Well, let's try anyway, before those zombies or whatever they are get here. Okay, we'll try the other door this time. It works! Come on, but I haven't much hope of our getting very far. Yeah, this must be Evans's living quarters. Posh, isn't it? Yeah, now I know what he meant when he said we'd have a comfortable life. Yeah, darn sight more comfortable than anything those condition types have got. All they have is a bed to sleep in and work to do. And that's all we'll have if we don't get out of here. Look, there's another door over there. Let's try it. And I'd better close this one first. Yeah, go ahead. All right, Mitch. She's shut. And this one's opening. What's behind it? A spiral staircase. Which is what he must have gone down. I reckon so. Come on, let's follow him. Not so fast, Mitch. You're making me dizzy. How much further? We're just coming to the bottom now. So? Another door directly ahead. And a lofty corridor leading off to the right. Try the door. Nah, it doesn't function, Lemmy. And it'll have to be the corridor, won't it? Yeah, let's go. Looks like we're coming to the end of it at last. Attention, attention. Oh, yeah. Crew personnel are warned. The 
that it is dangerous to proceed beyond this point without protective clothing. What protective clothing? If you are not suitably dressed, turn back immediately. Now, what's all that about? There must be something to do with that door at the end there. Yeah, let's get a little closer to it, Lemmy. But take it slowly. Of course. Where do you think it leads to? Lemmy, now how should I know? Well, you might have Attention, known. attention. All right, there he goes again. The door you are now approaching leads to the asteroid surface. It is dangerous to proceed any further unless you are wearing suitable clothing. This is the last warning. So that's it. He means spacesuits. And we haven't got them. All right, Lemmy, hold it. Well, that's that, I reckon. We have no choice but to go back. We cannot escape. Silly. And it... is coming through that door. And it must be those two geezers we saw outside. And we better scarper. Oh, blimey, here they come. Well, what are you standing there for? Come on, Mitch. Oh, what difference does it make? We got nowhere to run to. We can go back upstairs, can't we? If we can, they can. We'd have to face them in the end. We might as well do it now. Here they are. Oh, look at them. Enough to frighten the daylights out of you. Doc, look who it is. Well, Mitch and Lemmy. Stand your ground, Lemmy. Don't yeah. let them see you're scared. Well, Mitch, how did you get here? What is this place? You come a step nearer and I'll land you one. Lemmy, it's me. Well, they can't hear us, Jet. With our faces inside these helmets, they don't recognize us either. Now, let's take the helmets off and quick. Doing it. Jet? Well, where did you spring from? I might well ask you then. Well, I'll be... It was you and Doc all the time. We thought you were a couple of Martians. Well, what are you doing here? We've been looking for you. What, outside? When you know we haven't got a helmet between us? Oh, well, we got left out there by accident, but we'll explain everything in due course. Yeah, what you have to explain is nothing compared with our news. We found a sphere, Mitch, just like the one you described. If we can get out to it again, we believe we could take off in it and get away from here. You think so? Well, why not? All we have to do is find Frank, get up to Bay 5, and help ourselves to the necessary number of suits. Yeah, but how are we going to get to Bay 5, except by the way you just came? And we need suits for that, and only you and Doc have got them. We go back by the same route as you came here. Back to Frank, that is. It shouldn't be too difficult then to find our way back to that suit store. And then? We pick up three more, return, go back through that airlock, and make our way back to the crater where that sphere is. That sounds dandy, Jet, but there's just one snag. There is no way back to Frank. How do you mean? Lemmy and I are prisoners here. We can't go out, and we can't go back. At least, no further than to that lookout tower upstairs. Well, who's holding you prisoners? Get ready for a shock. The Lunar Controller. Lunar? What? Oh, you're joking, both of you. If we are, it's the silliest joke I ever played. But how can he possibly be on this asteroid? It's all too simple, and there's no time to explain now. But you've got to explain, me. I tell you, there isn't time. What's more important is that you should get back to the Discovery, yeah. if that sphere will take you, and warn Earth to close down every television station until further notice. Are uh, you crazy? I wish I were. You say you think you can get that sphere off the ground? We certainly do. Then put your helmets on, get back there and do it. And leave right. you behind. Look, how can we get to that ship? You and Jet getting back to the Discovery is far more important than leaving us here. Now, wait a minute, Mitch. It's not so easy as that. Why not? In the first place, that ship's built to carry a crew of eight. And we've no idea how to navigate it. 
We're hoping Frank has. According to Paddy, Frank was trained as a crewman and he'd know exactly how to control the thing. Put us right when we made mistakes. Oh, that's reasonable. In the second place, I don't see what closing down television stations has to do with a Martian invasion. Incidentally, where's the lunar controller now? In another part of the ship, but he'll be back, I can guarantee it. And if you intend to get away, you'd better get started. I tell you, we have no intention of leaving you, Frank, or Lemmy behind. Very well, if that's your final word on the matter. It certainly is. All right, let's get upstairs and you can see a few things for yourself while Lemmy and I explain exactly what's happened to us since we saw you last. Leave it, Mitch. The lunar controller. And and this is where he controls the asteroid from? Yes, Doc. And if you ask me, is the big noise aboard here? But where does he get his orders from? Uh, from outside somewhere. The Martians themselves, he said. Did he say where they were? No, he didn't. I don't think he knows any more than Paddy did. And the Martian, the, the brain, as you call it. What, you don't believe it? It seems so fantastic. You listen to this, then. What is the estimated arrival time of asteroid 738 at this position? And how's your father? There he goes, figuring it out. How long does it take? Estimated arrival time of asteroid 738 at present position is 47 hours, 54 minutes. Second question, not understood. I don't suppose he even knows what a father is. This is almost unbelievable. 47 hours, 54 minutes. That's the maximum time we have to find a way out of here, pick up the suits and get out to that sphere. Not forgetting going back to Frank. Which way did you come in? Well, we came through that door that knocked you out. You mean it didn't affect you? No, it was open and we just walked in. Uh, the huge case that contains the super-electronic brains housed in there. Well, no wonder the place was so well guarded. Then can't we go back that way? I know I could find the television room from there. It's no go, Jet. The only door leading to that place doesn't work. Not to us, anyway. Mr. Jack Evans wasn't kidding when he said we were prisoners. Oh. And you've no idea when the controller will be back? No, Jet. It might be hours. It might be minutes. Then we must work fast. Lemmy. Yes, mate? Go into the other room. Yeah? Take the sheets off that bed in there, then put the rest of the covers back in place so they look as though they haven't been disturbed. What's your idea? Oh, don't ask questions. Do as I tell you. Yes, Jet. Right away. Well, what's on your mind? I think we might persuade Mr. Jack Evans, lunar controller, or whatever he cares to call himself, to help us get away from this asteroid back to the discovery. What? How? Do you think he realizes Doc and I are here? I don't know. Well, he's not superhuman. Not like that electronic brain. He could only know we were here if he were told. But look, Jed, he may have a vision phone where he is and be looking at us and listening to what we're saying right now. And he may not. We'll work on that assumption anyway. Oh, here comes Lemmy back now. I'll strip that bed down, but it doesn't seem to have any sheets. All the covers are the same, so I brought this one. Well, see if you can tear it. Well, that'll spoil it. Go on, Lemmy. Uh, help him, Doc. If it does tear, rip it into strips. Okay. Come on, Lemmy. I'll give you a hand. All right. Now, Mitch, ask that brain how long it would take a sphere to get from here to Mars. Right. Question. What is the estimated time it would take for a ferry from Bay 5 to reach Mars? Let's hope he doesn't throw that question back in our face. Ferries cannot reach Mars from this distance. Oh, well, we knew that already. Uh, the large sphere, that's the one I meant. What do they call that? I'm afraid I haven't a clue. And we can't ask any questions about it. But I'm sure it would reach there. It's well stocked with food and obviously is built for long-distance flights. Then what are you worrying about? I want to know how long we can expect to be travelling, that's all. A lot may depend on it. An asteroid like this could easily overtake one of those spheres. I just want to know if we have a chance. If we get away immediately, we'd be nearly 48 hours ahead of any other ship that tried to pursue us. It sounds a long time, but a million miles is a long way. Assuming we are pursued by a faster ship, or even an asteroid like this, will 48 hours start help us much? I wish I could answer that. Here you are, Jet. Yeah. It was pretty tough material, but we managed it. Good. Now, what do we do? 
Oh, Mitch and Lemmy will sit here in front of the door where the controller can see them as he comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and I will stand at the side by the wall on which the door is hinged. Uh-huh. Then, as soon as he's in the room... That was episode 15 of Journey into Space. Taking part in this recording were Andrew Folds as Jet Morgan, Alfie Bass as Lemmy, Guy Kingsley Pointer as Doc, and Don Sharp as Mitch. Other parts were played by David Jacobs and Alan Tilpin. The orchestra was conducted by Van Phillips, who also composed the music. Journey into Space was written and produced for the BBC by Charles Tilton. <laughs>